The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> Seven times to do it in the film. The, powers, the power of Christ compels you. So piss on the rug and listen to the Uncondensed Podcast. <laughs> a weekly show where we talk about movies nobody else wants to talk about. But this is a patron exclusive. No, it's not. It's a, <laughs> But this is a special bonus episode um, of our show where we talk about movies everyone's talking about because this is a tie-in to our regular proceedings where we take a classic on 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 in, into our sites we uh pair it up with what we're doing on on the main show as i said so this is october the 50th anniversary of the exorcist my name is also my name is randy my name is yaku <laughs> that's been done before and my name is randy there you go so it's the 50th anniversary of the exorcist William Friedkin just about recently passed away. It's I'll only throw, I'll throw this in there too. Cinematographer Owen Roisman also passed away in 2023. Goodness, I didn't even know. So the stars have all aligned for us to and then also Exorcist the Believer. The Exorcist Believer. Never know where that is. I think it's the Exorcist colon believer. He's a colon believer. I think so. <laughs> Oh, Believe in your colon. Uh, so that's that's hitting the cinemas in uh, October, and if, if if we time this right, the release of this show is gonna more or less coincide with the cinematic run of 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 the David Gordon Green film. So it's it's kind of just a match made in heaven. We have to talk about The Exorcist, so here we are to talk about The Exorcist, and then. I, this is why I hesitated with the Patreon exclusive bit because the idea is we announced it last week anyway that this episode was going to be unlocked for future consumption by by everyone who comes to comes to uh, to, to take a peek, you know. I said no peeking. <laughs> uh, you know, so so that's kind of our plan because it's the 50th anniversary and we all love Bi- uh, Billy Friedkin and just. It it's it feels like like a, a message to you the other day. It's just like look look, it was it feels like a like the right thing to do to kind of just make this one, um, like like be one of those sort of free ones, right? And you go you, you go like yes, absolutely. Like I thought I would, like we were just like all thinking the same thing. Hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, he's William Friedkin is sort of a big big ticket item for us in here. Oh yeah, we're, we're big Friedkin fans. I love the guy. Yep, absolutely. So here we are to talk about Billy Friedkin and The Exorcist. But before I before I uh, send this show into overdrive, <laughs> um, just a quick thank you to all our Patreon supporters, to everyone who donates their hard-earned cash to help us pay pay the bills for Sendcaster and for the website and for everything else that comes comes our way. Massive thank you for all your support. Thank you. Um. And then, you know, if, you, if you're listening to the uh, to, to the quick small teaser on our main feed or wherever you found it, just remember if you venture to patreon.com slash uncutgemspod, you will find this episode unlocked for free consumption. So, and then if you pay three bucks a month, then you'll get everybody, everything else that we have in there. That's kind of how it works. No tears, no nothing. Just one simple tier. You support, you get, you get goodies. It's kind of what it is. And then there's a seven day free trial. 
and then maybe at this point, I mean, I, I promised myself because I should probably mention this because Patreon has rolled out these bunch of little things. Like there's a shop, there's there are collections. I um I can need to find a moment to actually play with this, um to organize our content a little bit better so so it's easier access. So if you want to go into and listen to our marathon about John Cassavetes films, so they're all in one place, one convenient location. Or if you want to access our David Lynch marathon, you can do that. And maybe later on we'll just like figure out how to use this shop thing. So if you don't really want to subscribe, you can just buy stuff, buy access to whatever. Then maybe that's also the way to go. But you know, like we'll f- we'll figure it out. Where was I? The Exorcist. Let's just talk about The Exorcist. How about that? You know, 50th anniversary. We might as well get Sounds to. Good. I think Billy Fritkin would would like us to get to the point already, right? <laughs> <laughs> Shoot a gun behind my head. Um. Just to get us in the mood. Um, yeah, so, uh, okay, let's just talk about The Exorcist. Hey, where'd this come from? I found it. Where? Closet. Huh. You been playing with it? Yep. You know how? I'll show you. Wait a minute, you need two. You really don't want me to play, huh? No, I do. Captain Howdy said no. Captain who? Captain Howdy. Who's Captain Howdy? You know, I make the questions and he does the answers. Oh, Captain Howdy, yeah, I see. Nice. Oh, I bet he is. Here, I'll show you. Captain Howdy, do you think my mom's pretty? Captain Howdy? Captain Howdy, that isn't very nice. The Exorcist was based on William Peter Brady's um, 1971 book and then also adapted for the screen by him, directed by William Friedkin and stars Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, uh, Lee Cobb, uh, Linda Blair, Jason Miller, um, and who, who else am I missing? Kitty Wynn, Jack McGowan, William O'Malley. Yes, a bunch of people, and it's a story of a young girl named Reagan who all of a sudden falls ill. She's a daughter of a of, of a Hollywood star, uh, was played by Ellen Burstyn, and um, as her mother's at her wit's end because she has no idea how to help her daughter, as she's dragging her from a doctor to another doctor to a psychiatrist and whatever. She's absolutely at her wit's end. She. She then decides to seek help of priests and within the sort of the, the warm embrace of religion, um, because some people may may think that the dragon is possessed by a demon. Story goes from there. Everyone knows what what the story is all about. So I might as well just I'll, I'll try and make it quick because you can easily make it long. <laughs> so William Peter Blatty's book. That's kind of like the story goes that it's sort of inspired by the, I think, like a late 40s mm-hmm. sort of... You'd call it like an urban legend now, right? Like an unverified news item, I think, from the late 40s of some kind of a case of demonic possession that took place in some of the Georgetown area in Maryland, I think. Uh, 
can't remember. There was this yeah, Rory something. I think that was a boy's name. I don't remember. It was name. a boy though. Yeah, it was a boy. Um. Uh. So William Peter Blatty wrote this book about this actress whom he based on his good friend Shirley MacLaine. Oh, and by the way, he wrote this book by just okay. This is me trying to do it, make it short, and doing it long. He he wrote this book because he used to be a comedy screenwriter in mm-hmm. the sixties. Like a lot uh, of Blake Edwards stuff. Yes. <laughs> so, comedy screenwriting dried up, and then he couldn't. He found himself out of work, and then he just decided to write a book and find just try to find success in a different medium. And he tried to kind of just take this writing thing a little bit in a different, more serious direction. So he wrote The Exorcist based on this sort of urban legend that he came across, um, which the book became, I think, an instant success. Immediately optioned by the Warner Brothers, I think. Uh, and then William Peter Blatty was brought in to adapt it to, for the screen because he was already a Hollywood item anyway, so he knew how 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 to play this, I suppose. So he probably sold the script with the proviso of writing the script himself. I don't know. I wasn't in the room. Um, and so, being producer, he's producer on this too, right? And he's a producer, yes. Yeah, so... <clears throat> He got the choice of finding a director, and a, like studio, I think, wanted to court Kubrick and a few other people. Um, I think so. Uh, b- before William Peter Blatty d- sort of insisted, I think that he that he really wanted Friedkin to step behind the camera because re- he he loved the French Connection and he thought this would be a great pairing because the book i mean i'm only like halfway done with the book at this point because i don't have enough time in my life um the book is sort of very matter of fact and and steeped in realism so he, he thought he he would be the right guy to bring uh, the right kind of atmosphere to the story and then when Friedkin got involved another sort of stu- studio again tried to step in and they said like they wanted a few stars so they wanted in, in the role that went eventually to Ellen Burstyn, so so Chris McNeil, they wanted either Jane Fonda or Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn was the first choice. Yes, uh, and, and, and she was living in Rome. She was living in Rome at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, freaking he was attached at this time, and he he said, "Well, we're not shooting in Rome. We can't shoot in Rome. Not just mm-hmm. cost, but it wouldn't be right." Yep. So. Friedkin had the idea that he wanted complete nobodies to play the lead roles. And at this time, Ellen Burstyn had only done, I think, the last picture show, and she had a very small role in it. I remember her in it, but she she's just one of the teenagers in there, right? Um, also, the studio wanted um, Jack Nicholson to be Father Carras. Carras. They wanted... Paul Newman, and then I think Blatty hired Stacy Keach, but mm-hmm. then I don't know what came of it because they eventually got uh, Jason Miller. Yeah, the interviews were going so well with Miller, they they just paid off Keach. Like Keach yep. was hired just through the casting agents or whatever, but meanwhile Friedkin was having these conversations with Miller, and they didn't necessarily get along well, mm-hmm. um, but the more time they spent with one another... Miller was really attached to the project and um, Miller too, he dropped out of the priesthood mm-hmm. or he had a failed effort in the seminary or something, but he had a, 
uh, he had a failed history with uh, religion at any rate, and this really appealed to Friedkin. So the more time they spent together, they just they just felt that the, it, it was meant to be. So I think they must have just paid off Keach because Keach was in fact hired. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and then I think at some point they had they still had Jack Nicholson on retainer because I think Friedkin would periodically threaten Jason Miller that he'd fire him and get Nicholson <laughs> to do the to do the line reading that he right. couldn't get right. Um, so yeah, and before actually, even before Friedkin got involved, I think Mike Nichols was also approached, and Mike Nichols turned it down because he didn't like the idea of having a young actress do the role that eventually went to Linda Blair. And before Linda Blair got involved, they actually got um, uh, Pamela Ferdin and then Dennis Nickerson, who was in Charlie and jo- in Chocolate Factory. No, sorry, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Um, and then Janet Leigh. Lee, Lee, Jesus, Janet Lee did not let Jamie Lee Curtis audition, mm-hmm. even though apparently they they were approached. Um, but they, but they, yes, they found um, Linda Blair. Um, it's it's not her real name. No, 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 it is her it real is. name anyway. Yeah, so they found Linda Blair. Um, well, there's a whole story because like there's you know she auditioned and apparently they, her mom didn't know what kind of stuff she'd be asked to say. So they, the audition to the film involved the scene where she's she's throwing a fit with the doctors. She's, you know, like, telling them, fuck off, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So she um, so she didn't tell her and because she was embarrassed and she got the role and she's kind of just, you know, and the story goes from there. So anyway, casting, we can get to all of this. Anyway, movie came together, loads of stories, curses, we're, I think we're going to touch on all of this. Like a bunch of people died. The set burned down at some point, so they set them back six weeks. But the idea was that you know they, they wanted maximum realism, um, and they were really going out of their way to make to to make sure that the sort of the reality of what they, what they were what they were trying to do would kind of come through on the mm-hmm. on film, like with refrigerated <laughs> sets. Um, <sighs> the film was released on Christmas, nineteen seventy three. Um, in I want to say thirty screens, yeah, something like that. I read, yeah, something like that, and it became the most profitable film ever off of these thirty screens. It was averaging like seventy thousand dollars. It made a bunch of million dollars in a few weeks off of these screens before Warner decided, look, we need to roll this out. Because before, at this time, the the idea of a blockbuster didn't really exist. If you'd like to listen to this show in its entirety, head over to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash uncutgemspod, where for three bucks a month you'll be able to hear many other bonus recordings of ours, such as tie-ins to our main show, mini-retrospectives, and comprehensive director marathons. Patreon.com slash uncutgemspod is the place, so head over there and subscribe. (laughs) 